Hey everyone, I'm Simmer, a student at Harvard University. And I'm Roger, a student at King's College London. And, and this, this is That Medic Podcast. Hey guys, in today's episode, I was so excited to have Zainab on the show, who's a recent graduate from King's College London. She's held several leadership positions during her time at medical school, with experiences winning her scholarship as a leader of tomorrow to the broader institute at MIT and Harvard. In this episode, we talked about leadership, management, and McKinsey. So guys, without further ado, let's have a listen. Zainab, welcome to uh, that Medic podcast. You know, thank you so much for, for being on the show. Uh, we normally start these things by sort of asking the question, you know, why did you decide to study medicine? Uh, I was very much um, influenced by sort of being surrounded by medicine growing up. It's a very sort of Asian answer to give, I suppose, um, <laughs> being in a family where, you know, I've been exposed to healthcare and medicine a lot. My dad's a doctor, my mum's pharmacist. Um, but I mean, you know, having said that, I think it's sort of ingrained an interest for me, like in medicine and mm. in healthcare. Um, but I'll be honest in saying that I didn't truly realise what my, or what drew me to healthcare until I sort of came, maybe until I found myself in the second year of medical school. So... By that I mean, you know, I was enjoying my course, preclinical medicine at the time at King's was um, very, uh, you know, very rigorous and that it was purely lecture-based. And I'll be honest in saying that some of the content was interesting, but at the same time, I um, didn't find it too stimulating or I wasn't too sort of, you know, fully interested in it. And I think that does happen with a lot of students. And I thought, okay, let me try and do, you know, um, my clinical year. So I intercalated after second year. And I enjoy clinical medicine a bit more, um, but I still felt that there was something missing in a way. Um, and I think that's when I really realized that the reason that I went into healthcare and I was interested with healthcare was more because I was interested in the leadership and management aspects of healthcare. And um, I found myself being drawn to projects or like SSEs in public health um, and that sort of thing. And that's when I realized, actually, this is what I want to do. Um, and, you know, I thought to myself, well, I'm halfway through medical school now, so might as well power through <laughs> and see where it takes me. Yeah. So you sort of mentioned uh, leadership there. And I understand you've done some really interesting things uh, in that sort of space. Uh, but before we go into that, that sort of experience, uh, all the sort of interesting things you've done, uh, I'm just wondering if I could ask you a sort of personal question. You know, is there a particular leader which you sort of personally look up to? Yeah, um, that's a very interesting question. I think um, for me, I think this is actually going to be very like a, a business sort of example. So they're not they're not a leader in healthcare, um, but I actually quite look up to Indra Nui, who used to yeah. be CEO of PepsiCo. Yeah. I don't know if you've heard of her, um, but for, yeah. So I mean, she's my example because I think I I think as a woman of color as well, to see somebody climb that high and do so well in the world of business, I think is very inspirational. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, there are obviously some um, very staple ones that you know we could also talk about, such as Michelle Obama, um, but I think. You know, for me, it's yeah. I think it's you know, especially when you're female and you are from an Asian sort of background, you do tend to sort of look up to people who have similar sorts of stories. Um, that does resonate with me personally. Yeah. So you sort of mentioned uh, Indra and uh, Michelle Obama there. You know, are there any elements or sort of traits of those particular leaders um, which you think have made them you know even more effective in their role and mm -hmm. you know even more inspiring? Yeah, I think um, I think I can probably say. 
I mean, I'm going to use Michelle Obama as a more of an example because I think I've I've really immersed myself in some of her. Like, you know, I've I've been there with a the biography, her documentaries out, and you know, she did like a tour at the O2 as well. So, you know, I was there because you know it was <laughs> truly inspiring. Truly, ins- tr- yeah, truly inspirational. But I think you know, I think the perseverance element of it, and also knowing when to make sacrifices, I think, is something that. Um, I mean, I I'm early, you know, I'm early twenties. I'm I've got a long way to go, but I think that it's a lesson that I'm going to have to fall back on as I go through the years, as I, you know, progress through my career. I think it's going to be, um, a lot of these leaders who talk about a balance and a perspective in work-life balance and saying, yes, you can aim high and achieve, but also have that balance. Remember what is truly important to you. And I think that in turn influences their philosophy when it comes to leadership, thinking about, you know, what are the values that they try to bring to the table, that they try to um, emulate um, with the projects and the different sort of um, avenues that they explore. Um, so I think it, yeah, I think the key lesson, I suppose, is work-life balance in a way. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I think, I think work-life balance is something which is, you know, so, so important. You know, if we look at it from a sort of medical school perspective, you know, medical school can become very intense. You know, there are a lot of exams, uh, you know, a lot of lectures to cover, a lot of MCQs. Um, so I think taking time out just to get a sort of bit of peace of mind, uh, I think is so, so important. So looking at leadership, uh, sort of in healthcare now, uh, you know, would you say it's sort of frowned upon to go down that sort of route, you know, while at medical school? Yeah, I think, yes, I think, um, I'll, uh, this is sort of, you know, anecdotally, I can say I have sort of come across that. I think that there is a little bit of, um, I wouldn't necessarily call it a stigma, but it's sort of like, you know, if I say to a clinician, I mean, that I'm interested in pursuing a role that's maybe more to do with management and healthcare as opposed to something that's more clinical, sometimes you do get a lot of, you know, well, why would you do that? It's a waste of a degree. You've, you've learned all these skills, you know, why wouldn't you use those skills? Um, and I think that I don't know whether a lot of that stems from this sort of cycle that we've seen um, of clinicians in the past having had a lot of ownership in the work that they do. Um, but I think changes to NHS structure have sort of uh, led to the removing of some of those um, bits of ownership. Um, and anecdotally, I can say that I've witnessed a bit of tension. You do witness tension and some animosity between management and frontline staff, right? So I think that I think there are some negative connotations that come along with that. Um, but I think I'm quite interested actually with how you know, our generation are going to push that forward because I think that there's a lot more of that sort of entrepreneurial and leadership and management mindset that's coming through medical students today. So I think, um, I don't know if that answers your question in a, in a roundabout way. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that was, uh, you know, th- that was perfect. You know, I think there definitely is that, that sort of drive now to, you know, encourage and inspire more students uh, to take up leadership roles in the future, you know, which is very, very exciting. Uh, so for the benefit of the sort of US listeners, you know, in the UK, we have the, the faculty of medical leadership and management. We have different universities setting up, uh, leadership societies as well. Like at King's, we have the KCL Leads and Health Society, which is also sort of trying to drive that change. So it's exciting to see this sort of trend now in healthcare to encourage students to, to feel more confident about taking up these roles. So I think it's, it's definitely going to make a massive difference going forward. Uh, you know, now we also have the sort of healthcare leadership academy. Uh, which is very exciting, and and I understand you're actually a scholar there a few years ago. Um, so just wondering if you could sort of tell the listeners mm-hmm. uh, a bit about your sort of experience there. 
Yeah, sure. So um, I was uh, part of the second cohort for the HLA, um, which I did a good few years ago now. Um, but I think, I yes, I did it while I was intercalating um, at the time. So at the time, I'd chosen to intercalate in, um, I did a master's in healthcare policy and economics. Um, and I felt that, you know, doing the HLA at that time was great to keep me sort of rooted in healthcare and to understand some of the issues that we're facing at the same time. But so it was sort of like having one foot in the door of the world of healthcare leadership while pursuing something that was outside of clinical work. Um, so yeah, I think the experience I think was fantastic. It's, um, something, it's a true community that aims to build a strong network, um, of like-minded individuals. And I learned skills there that I would not have learned anywhere else really. So that's the huge emphasis on it. I think the key, those are the two key takeaways for me, the networking and the, um, and the skills development. And I mean, the skills, the, there was things such as like media work, you know, how to do a podcast interview, or how to, <laughs> um, yeah. So how to, um, sort of present yourself, um, through like video clips and how to do interviews, uh, how to use platforms such as LinkedIn to network. Um, so, you know, and those are all skills that people do pick up along the way. I think in whatever profession you are, you don't even get taught these skills in, you know, not just healthcare, in all sorts of professions. But I think to have that sort of space and that safe space to say, look, like this is something that is very out of the box. It might be out of your comfort zone, but you're really encouraged to push yourself and to go out there to try it. And it does pay off. And, you know, I think that the greatest thing is to look back at it and think, you know, I can do things like, for example, like this podcast and, you know, and think about how actually all of these skills and all those experiences have definitely influenced, you know, my other experiences along the way. Yeah. So I think the sort of Healthcare Leadership Academy is doing some brilliant work uh, to really inspire more students to take up uh, sort of leadership roles in the future. So that's really, really exciting. Um, but as a student, you know, there are sort of other ways to get involved with leadership. And one of the ways is by running uh, a quality improvement project. Um, so for those that are listening, it's basically when you go into an organization and basically implement a sort of new strategy to, to try and improve uh, the quality of the service being provided. And, you know, I understand you're actually involved with one previously uh, whilst at medical school. So just wondering if you could sort of tell the listeners a bit about your sort of experience there. That was an interesting project, actually, because we had a lot. Um, so we were working with nursing teams and clinicians and, like, and doctors. So, it, you know, there was a lot of like tension between medical students coming in and saying, you know, we're auditing how nurses do. Uh, we were looking at SBAR communication, so handover communication. Um, and, you know, so then that really highlighted a lot of uh, difficulties with trying to um, bring together two parts of a multidisciplinary team, but also to try and implement change in that way. And I think that is to do a lot with the hierarchy that you do observe in on wards and on hospital placements. Um, so I think that, you know, that required an awful lot of perseverance. Um, I suppose, uh, I mean, general tips for that, I suppose, you know, it's, it's it, it, for me personally, it taught me a lot about the importance of um, being able to liaise with different members of the team in like a diplomatic way, right? And how to um, understand that, you know, okay, I understand that I'm a medical student, this is my position, but, you know, to try and leverage what you do have to try and get people on board. And that is really difficult. And I think that only comes with experience. Um, so I was really grateful for that, actually. And, you know, I think we even had disagreements at some point with our consultant who was pushing for a lot more. And, you know, we had to step up and say, actually, we can't deliver this much. You know, we need to have realistic goals. So I think it's interesting because um, 
you hear a lot about medical students being placed in a role where you want to impact change, but then because of the hierarchy, you feel like you can't. Um, but actually, I think that you know you can if you go about it the right way and if you learn how to sort of use the fresh insight because that's the leverage you do have. You have fresh insight and fresh perspective um, and very innovative mindsets to, you know, say, okay, well, let's take another angle at this and, you know, and try and use that leverage to, to implement change. I definitely agree. I think it's so important that, uh, you know, medical students just realize the sort of value that a fresh pair of eyes has, right? And, and the sort of neat perspective they can provide on things. I think it's so, so important. So, you know, leveraging the skills you already possess, you know, being realistic in your goals, uh, but also from my own sort of experience of running a quality improvement project this year, I think there's so much value in just in just listening, right? And and um, getting this sort of perspective from the nurse, the doctor, to the HCA. I think only by understanding their sort of experience of, of current practice can you go about sort of implementing change and understand exactly uh, what the sort of areas for improvement are. So I think that's also, you know, very, very important. Uh, now, beyond leadership, Zainab, you know, you also have... Uh, you know, a lot of management experience as well. And, uh, you know, I'll be very honest, I, I get quite confused between the sort of two terms. Uh, so just wondering if you, could, if you could sort of clarify, you know, what is the difference between leadership and, uh, and management? Um, so I'm going to offer like a sort of personal uh, take on it because, I mean, I suppose there are lots of, I mean, you can break this down lots of ways. There are like frameworks out there <laughs> for management and frameworks for yeah. leadership that will split these up into five or eight different points each, right? Um, but I mean, for me personally, I think that, you know, management can be seen as something that's maybe a bit more task orientated. Um, you know, you've got a set deliverable and um, you're working with a team to try and deliver that sort of that project. Whereas leadership, I think, is a lot broader in the sense that, okay, you will probably almost definitely have aspects of management involved in a leadership role. However, there's a lot more that comes in terms of um, team motivation, guiding morale, um, maybe even offering mentorship. And I think the key thing is, from what I've learned, is um, enabling autonomy for team members to have a, or to foster a, a culture of good team working. Um, so I think that, you know, that's maybe, it's a very nuanced difference, but I think that leadership is a bit broader in the sense that it encompasses a lot more of what you could quote unquote say soft skills. So would you say you need both the sort of, you know, leadership and management skills uh, to really excel in the healthcare space? Yeah, I suppose so. I think that, you know, I think maybe to be a good leader, I think you do need good management skills, but I guess you might come across, you know, people who are good at managing things, but not necessarily good at leadership. I think it, yeah, it can work both ways. So in terms of your sort of, you know, management experience, uh, I understand you actually had your sort of medical elective uh, most recently mm -hmm. at, at McKinsey. Uh, so just wondering if you could sort of tell the listeners uh, a bit about your sort of experience there. Sure. Um, so in terms of my experience at McKinsey, so I'm, I've just graduated in my final year. So I did this internship in January for about uh, till March. Um, so I was actually, so my interest in this was um, I'd actually been exposed to McKinsey's firm back in my intercalated year um, at the beginning of it, I think. So I had attended a Women as Future Leaders workshop that was like a three-day residential workshop. They ran it at, at the time. Um, and they had uh, like the managing partner of the UK office there, Vivian Hunt. And, you know, it was, it was a great workshop. I met a lot of fantastic um, female leaders from all sorts of, you know, all stages of their careers. So university students like myself and those who were setting their careers up, um, who were working in banking, um, working uh, in research. So it was, you know, it was really diverse. Um, and I 
really got interested in McKinsey as a firm from that. And then I saw um, on their careers page on Facebook that they had an elective scheme um, that they were inviting applications for. So that's how I um, did my elective there. I applied through that route. Um, and the experience there was, for me personally, fantastic. It was a lot of work. So it was definitely not like an elective where you go and sit on a beach in Australia or, you know, I, yeah, just definitely was not sat in on Bondi Beach anywhere. I was in the, <laughs> I was in the office. Yeah, I was in the office um, in uh, near Hoban. Um, yeah, doing some pretty long hours, but you know, um, it was. I mean, I, I loved the experience. I mean, I was very much um, thrown into it. So I was made as part of the team, um, working as an intern, and um, we were working on something that wasn't necessarily health systems related, but it was um, for a pharma client, and involved a great deal of data analytics. I had no idea about anything to do with data analytics. Um, but, you know, so it was, it was like a baptism by fire in a way, um, when it came to data science. And, um, I mean, I had some background in pharmaceuticals from the masters that I had done as well. So, I mean, that was great for me because for me, I got to, I was providing the, um, the sort of the medical input for this project. So, um, I was working with, um, it was a very small team. So I had a manager, um, and two data, well, one data science and one data engineer and myself. So we were a small team of about four and, um, we were basically they needed input to understand how um the contextual sort of medical stuff would would fit in right and that was my role um and it was interesting because you know i think going back to what we were saying before about how you feel that you know as a medical student you do feel like a small fish in a really really big pond and you feel that you know you you don't feel like you've got the confidence necessarily to speak up or to add additional input but you know here i was i was given such autonomy to really own my work stream to contribute to the project um and to and my my contributions were so valued and i think that's the main takeaway that i was like wow like you know it's it's really odd to think somebody who's fresh out of medical school can still contribute in such a way to such a big business idea for a big client um you know and they gave me a lot of responsibility i'd sit in on all the client calls um you know conduct like expert interviews and it also really highlighted the transferable nature of skills that we have so you know being able to talk to patients um is a huge skill that being able to talk to people is, is a huge skill that we we undervalue um so a lot of people who do go into business they don't necessarily have like the I'm not saying that all of them don't, but, you know, that is something that is a soft skill that, you know, isn't taught at business school necessarily or in an economics degree. So, you know, being able to sit with a client or sit with a key stakeholder and interview them um, using maybe some of the techniques that I'd used in my OSCE, such as directing the conversation when you want to make sure that your patient doesn't go off-piste in a 10-minute consultation, you know, all those skills really do work in this sense. It sounds like you had a, you know, really brilliant experience at McKinsey, you know, which is fantastic. Uh but it also sounds like, you know, you were very much valued there as well. You know, would you say there are sort of any elements or any sort of ways in which McKinsey runs its company um, at an organizational level, which, you know, healthcare and the NHS can really learn from? Um, yeah, I think this is the thing. I think the firm, you know, you re- you the, the people there do work incredibly hard, but I think the firm also does take good care of them. And I think, you know, obviously that will be because they are, you're looking at sort of private versus public sector differences here um but i think that you know if you think about just morale and taking care of your staff it will go a long way and i think to be honest we've seen a lot of that with the coronavirus response right so with uber eats and delivery and you know 
all these companies offering free meals and um, giving discounts to help people get to work, you know, those are all things that do count for morale. And I know, you know, they sound like, you know, little perks, but I think that they do, they do make a difference and they do make people feel valued. And I think that NHS staff at the moment are feeling so valued in the community in a way that they never have quite done before, um, which I think is remarkable. And I hope it does continue post-coronavirus. I think a lot of us are hoping that it will. <laughs> no, de- definitely, definitely. Um, now, now let's sort of look into the future. You know, has this sort of brilliant experience uh, changed where you see yourself within healthcare you know, going forward? Yeah, I mean, so for me personally, I'm so about to stop my junior, my F1, F2. So um, I think, you know, I'm definitely going to see, like, do the basic couple of years and see where it takes me. But I think, I mean, I met a lot of people at the firm who had transitioned from a medical career to working at McKinsey. Some people do manage to somehow balance the two together in some ways. Um, so, you know, that's, yeah, that's, that's also an option as well. I have to admit that, you know, I really did enjoy my experience there. Um, so, you know, I'm not ruling that out as a, as a career, but at the same time, you know, for me, I know at the moment I need to go and get my full GMC registration. That is also incredibly important. Um, so yeah, I've, um, I'll be starting work in August. Um, yeah, uh, as an F1. Um, and yeah, so I think that it's, you know, it's, it's definitely opened up though the way in which I can, I can push my career sort of further and it's open doors. So I think that, you know, where I go from there, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Um, yeah, depending on how the clinical work goes. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Zainab, it's been an absolute pleasure having the podcast today. Uh, but before we go, I was just wondering whether you had you know, three sort of tips uh, that you could give to medical students interested in possibly pursuing a route uh, down leadership in the future. I suppose there are three main pieces of advice that I give. So the first is um, don't let people phase you away from doing it, which is kind of what I, you know, alluded to earlier about people saying, you know, well, I had been told, why would you want to do leadership, you know, or why would you want to be a manager in, in the NHS, whatever it is. Um, so yeah, don't let people phase you because I think it's so important and we do need more people now than ever to have that experience of healthcare and bring it to, um, you know, bring that frontline experience with them when it comes to leadership management. Um, so that's the first thing. Um, the second tip I'd say is be curious. So, you know, increase that sort of that knowledge base that you've got and seek out a lot of things that, you know, you can do. Um, lockdown's the perfect time to do that now. You know, and by that, I mean, like, there are lots of online courses out there on leadership development, on healthcare management. Um, the NHS even have their own, like, online leadership academy thing. So, you know, have a look and see what's out there. Um, and the third tip I'd say is, you know, find a group of like-minded individuals and spread the word at your university. So I think, so for example, like I was co-founder and vice president of Leaders in Health at King's, right? Um, a couple of years ago. And that really brought together a group of people who were super interested in maybe alternative careers, but also transferable skills that they could have, um, you know, away from clinical medicine to look at careers in healthcare leadership management. Um, and I think through that, you know, you're creating a great network of people um, who will support you and um, will also, you know, encourage you to explore those alternative routes or explore what you can do with your degree um, and how you can sort of put the two together in terms of, you know, clinical medicine and, and other roles in management. Zainab, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for, for coming on the show. Thank you very much. Thank you. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you all enjoyed it. If you did, I'd really appreciate if you could give us a rating and drop a comment on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with all the links in the description below. 
And of course, feel free to reach out to us on thatmedicpodcast at gmail.com.